Well, thank you, uh, Mike, again for joining us. I'm uh, so excited to really dive into this book, and um, really, it's week two of it. And uh, the the chapter of this first chapter is expect a miracle, and I um, I really like this this chapter. Um, the theme that I kind of got of it was, are you ready for God to birth a Christmas miracle through you? And I just thought it's such an important question because I think during Advent, during Christmas, the last question, the last thing that I think about is, what can God do through me this season? What I really think about is I've got to buy a gift for my wife. I've got to buy a gift for our families. I have to clean the house. Uh, As pastors, we have to write a whole bunch of sermons. We have to, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that I have to do that all of us have to do in December. And the last thing I think about is, am I open for God to do a miracle through me? And so would you talk about that a little bit and what that means? And um, I I, I would just love to hear about that. Well, so many times, you know, people think that um, uh, miracles are some major kind of event, you know, the fireworks and and so forth. I think think sometimes um, miracles are born out of the ordinary. We have to begin to see the supernatural Mm. in the natural. Um, Mm. Way back when I was in seventh grade, uh, a a lady in our church, her name was Mrs. Cook. um, She was uh, worked with kids, you know, and, and was very influential. And so she had this, I don't know why she rented a bus this time of year, Thanksgiving, uh, beginning of Advent, and, and took a group of us. Now, I remember I'm seventh grade and took a group of us uh, to a Methodist theological seminary in Ohio. It had just opened when I was in seventh grade. Wow. And, and Columbus. And then she took us over to Riverside Hospital. It must have been one of the school days, so it must have been like uh, Saturday. And uh, she said to me, when you grow up, you either have to be a minister or a doctor. Well, Hmm. my grades knocked out the doctor part, but my son, I'm the minister, but my son's a surgeon. And I think that was prophetic. I think those words, now I don't know if she saw it that way. But to me, that never left me, even in my struggling years, busted in a rock group later, you know, uh, as a junior in high school, you know, and so forth. Um, But I believe that act and that investment, I don't know if each of us paid something for the bus or whatever, but that was a miracle that impacted my life, my family's life. And Fernie, what was so powerful about that, I became her pastor years later and did her funeral when I was in seminary. Wow. Um, So I think it's the little things that that we hear God call us to do. Um, When you came to base camp, we went over to a place. um, Oh, it's it's like a resale kind of stuff. I can't even remember the name of it. An 82-year-old lady. And that vision, the greening place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that uh, she had that vision, and she she works forty fifty hours a week in her eighties, 
even after she's had a stroke, um, and uh, has about 25 volunteers that work with her. And they've raised through things they sell close to a million dollars to support other missions in the area. We visited mm -hmm. a car ministry where they rehab car. I mean, these come out of people that, you know, and then these cars are received by people who then have a means of transportation to work. You have to have transportation. We saw a, a, a warehouse abused hospital equipment. All this mm -hmm. came out of people's, what I call burning bush, you know? And, and so what I always uh, ask people is where do you see the greatest need? You know, what is, what is mm -hmm. God's burning bush, you know, uh, in your life? And, and as, as people begin to ask that, you know, that's going to become everything, working with kids, you know, empowering kids, uh, coaching a sports team. Um, but it's the people who have the deepest influence. I had a scoutmaster. His name was Ted Palin. Again, when I was a kid, look at all these influences, which become Sudan would have never happened without, you know, the things Gingersburg has done. And uh, uh, we did a lot of camping trips. Fernie uh, in the snow and stuff, sleeping in tents. <laughs> Uh, that was big back then. Um, hmm. The biggest thing we did, we did a lot of camping trips. And he would do a Bible study with us uh, every, first thing every morning, you know, on camping trips. Um, hmm. So uh, miracles are where God takes the ordinary. And out of the ordinary, it becomes extraordinary. I always say there's two dimensions to to a miracle. Uh, one is divine intervention, but the other is human initiative. You know, a lot of times Christians confuse miracles with magic. God's not in the magic business. Right. God's in the miracle business. Um, I always use the example of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish. You know. Mm. And they said, gee, all these crowds showed up. Man, I always thought it must look like Woodstock. Fernie, you don't even <laughs> That's a good, that's I mean, a good analogy. No, I know what that that's is. That's <laughs> my senior year in high school. So um, you see how my generation got screwed up? You see why we need Jesus? <laughs> I um, do, I do. <laughs> but um, he said that it's so how we go, you know, we, we haven't, set up enough concessions and stuff you know we don't have enough porta potties how are we going to take care of all these people and she like they want they wanted magic you know and jesus said you give them something mm -hmm. and they said all we have is this little bit when i went to gingersburg they said all we have pastor you don't understand it you had two churches in cincinnati where you were youth pastor this is a little country church you know our total budget's mm -hmm. twenty-seven thousand a year and so they released it to Jesus' hands. See, that's where faith comes in. This is all I have. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to release it to Jesus' hand. Now, he blessed it, and he gave it back. He didn't hand it out. We're the hands and right. feet. And so when we release it, it's increased for us to have exponential influence in the world. And, and that's the expectation. Mm -hmm.
you know, in Gingersburg, that's how their budget went from 27,000 a year to when I left 5.4 million out of the offering plate a year. And then another nine to 11, you know, through the 501c3s, you know, through grants mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, I'll share a side story first. So you mentioned that the bus driver said to you, you're going to be a doctor. No, well, the pastor. lady who rented the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She right. was kind of she a youth worker. I don't even know if we had a name for it back then. But she, she must have been in her, like, 50s. But, mm. you know, which seemed old at the time. So my dad had, it was a pastor... Um, it was a chaplain at his high school at Lydia Patterson Institute. And the chaplain told my dad, um, you're either going to work with students or you're going to be a pastor someday. And my dad never became a pastor. Uh, he was like a pastor to a lot of people. Uh, he was, uh, he worked with students at his high school. He just, um, retired after 40 something years of ministry there. And I'm the one who became the pastor in the family. So I, I thought it was really interesting when you shared that story about, you became the pastor and your son became a, a doctor. Yeah. Uh, my dad worked with students and I became a pastor. So it's always interesting how people can speak uh, these truths into our lives. And um, when we say yes to them, some beautiful things can happen and come out of them. And I think it's what I love about uh, just this, this expecting a miracle, right? We, during this time of year, there's a whole bunch of commercials on TV and uh, you see it when you're driving out and, and you see homeless people on the side of the road, like, our heart breaks for stuff during the Advent season. And so let's do something about it, right? Instead of saying, God, why aren't you doing, I think you wrote that in your book. Instead of saying, God, why aren't you doing something about it? God is looking at us and saying, I am, it's you. I'm calling you to go. I think like um, that person spoke to your dad or that youth worker spoke to me. You know, the real translation for angel in the Bible is messenger. And I think, that, that a lot of times these messengers are angels unaware. They're us. Mm. Mm. But people, you know, it's, it's learning. I always say it, it's, it's learning to experience God in people, places, and pain. Where do we find God mm. in those? Because mm. out of that, we'll become instruments of healing in other people's lives. Mm, yeah. So you mentioned pain. One of the things that I found fascinating in this chapter of Expecting a Miracle, um, you mentioned that for Mary, the birth of Jesus, uh, the great joy of Jesus's birth also came with the cross. So there was suffering in that. And and um, you mentioned, you said something, I'm ad-libbing, but you said, um, for us, it comes with a willingness to give our lives away so that others can experience the kingdom of God. You said something to that effect. And could you say a little bit more about that? Even in that whole scenario, you know, the the birth of Jesus is really a a demonstration of God comes as a marginalized person to marginalized people. And so here we have Mary, um, who is from this obscure village, rural, not a person of means, a teenager, not married who becomes pregnant now think now i don't care what you say all her life she went through with people going 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, jo- Joseph didn't even buy it. Right. You know, well, well, God did it to me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you see, and then and the, Joseph's faith that trusted that. But then, you know, I'm working on a message here for the first of December. And um, I'm, I'm reading the second chapter of Matthew. And it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod. Well, that's a whole another messy political right. kind of of situation where the re, the result of his birth was a genocide and his his family ended up as immigrants in africa um yeah you know i mean it's way different than our glitter and gold frosty the snowman uh, oh, little town of Bethlehem, you know, kind of thing. This is 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 an invasion. You know, it's it's heaven's invasion. And and you know, I've got here in my notes, my sermon is challenging the world's values, political and re- religious structures. Hmm. So you know, uh, not only is Jesus born in pain in this time of Herod, Herod killed his wife, his mother-in-law, three sons. And the uh, uh, Roman Emperor Augustus said it was safer to be Herod's pig than his sons. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, I, I mean, it's out of pain. You know, redemption comes at great cost. So not only did he enter into this, mm you know, and, and become an immigrant and so forth. And, and look at what so much of the world's attitude is towards immigrants. Um, so we've got to look at the real gospel. You know, the problem today is that people interpret scripture through their partisan political ideologies, instead of looking at all the partisan political ideologies and judging them by scripture. Mm -hmm. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's that pain, you know, we've got to listen, you know, here, here's, you know, why race matters, you know, people, I preached um, this month at Gingersburg and I've been in a lot of churches, Fernie, and, and, you know, you've been like half the people on stage are persons of color, you know, again, three out of the six lead team. Uh, our person. And I just said, Hey man, it's great to be back here. You know, I'm traveling again. And, uh, I love seeing this diversity on our platform. Some people got Mm -hmm. upset and said it was political. Mm. Well, Hey, look at what happened to the Jews in Nazi Germany. And why did so much of the church accept that, you know, the national church supported Hitler. That's why Bonhoeffer and those guys mm-hmm. who paid the price in concentration camps, you know, went, well, went against. When I was working in Sudan, uh, the genocide was uh, Arabs, North Africans, against black Africans. And at first I thought it was religious, but um, Arabs that were Muslim and black Africans that were Muslim it was it was a racial, you know, kind of. 
So we've got to keep saying, hey, um, what does the gospel say, you know, about these things? You know, always, it's interesting, Fernie, that the Magi were not Jews. They were Gentiles. Yeah. I mean, right. <laughs> there's God making a point. Challenging yeah, religious yeah. structure. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, the, this, the, and, I, and we'll talk about it a little bit in a couple of weeks, uh, but the idea of um, non-Jewish people traveling for two years to come and claim Jesus as king, like that's, that's huge, right? Um, yeah. So I, I want to think about you, we talk about, so the, there's, there's suffering in the world, right? And like, we need to recognize that, you know, I think there's a part of me that always wanted to look at suffering and during Advent and just be like, no, they don't go together, right? Like I, I like the Christmas lights and the happy music and all like all the fun, beautiful stuff. But I was reading a, a, a book the other day and it starts off by saying, in Advent, we begin in the darkness. And I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about your chapter and I've been thinking... It's so important to remember, recognize, and acknowledge the darkness during this season, because that's the whole point. That's the whole reason Jesus came, right? To just to to destroy the darkness. And if there is no darkness, if we don't recognize any, if there's no need for Jesus to come, then then why does Jesus come in the first place, right? And and I would say the same thing for us, because there is pain and suffering in the world, we want to expect a miracle. We want to acknowledge the pain, and we want to expect a miracle at the same time because we believe uh, goodness always wins. God always wins, and we get to be a part of that well, story. Well, you know, the prophets in, in the Old Testament who spoke and look at Isaiah and so forth, who spoke of a coming Messiah, always spoke of it as um, uh, judgment as a positive thing, bringing justice for the oppressed for the widow, you know? And so we see that um, the marginalized are huge in this coming kingdom of what uh, God is about. So, you know, Advent is a reminder of the invasion of heaven and the radical change that the first will be last and the last first. Fernie, I'm constantly challenging my own. I sit here in this nice office. You know, I'm up at five this morning doing my devotions and stuff. And this, I have a very comfortable lifestyle. You know, I have a cabin in the mountains. I have a home in Cincinnati. Everything's paid for, you know. We, we, we do things. But is it really sacrificial? Mm. You know, and and so I think if it doesn't bother us and cause us to ask those questions, I think that's what Advent's about. You know, the real Jesus showing up in my comfort. Now, mm. do, you know, I've just read... Yesterday, you know, you have drawn boundary lines for me in, in in pleasant places, but also those who have been given much, much is expected. 
And mm. I don't think just Advent should be a time of wrestling. Um, but I think it's really time. What does it mean for the real Jesus to show up in my life's agenda, in my lifestyle? You know, to be born anew uh, in those places. What places need to, to change? Like you said, you know, in this um, two years now, this quarantine and the what's not normal and life will never get back to the old normal. Um, you know, we've gotten into, you, you talked earlier in our first session about Amazon kind of stuff. My wife and I walk around our neighborhood here and um, the Amazon boxes on porches. And one day we uh, saw this U-Haul truck and I said, oh, they must be moving. And the guy came out. No, he's an Amazon. He delivers for Amazon. But his old, you know, I guess there's different levels. Like I can do it with my van or something. So he had to go from a truck to a U-Haul truck because of the change in, in how, what people were ordering. So I, I think it, it, that's what, it, you know, Advent is a time for, for Jesus to show up anew not 2000 years ago, but the living Christ today and, and ask those kind of questions. Who do you say I am? You know, that's the most important question we've got to keep asking ourselves and not, not let go of it. And, and what's it mean to be on this alternative path? Like when the Magi returned a alternative route, am I still on that? I'm asking that question for me who am in my 50th year of active ministry. You know, um, and I, we have to keep asking that question. Yeah. When at the end of the day, I think if, if depending on our answer, it dictates whether or not we, we can, we, we live life expecting a miracle, yeah. right? Because if, if Jesus really is the, uh, our, our Lord and Savior, if Jesus really defeated sin and death, then we can't expect a miracle. And if Jesus is not those things, then we just kind of live life doing the best we can. And, um, you know, my challenge for everybody listening today is um, really wrestle with who do you believe Jesus is? Is, is Jesus really, um, you know, the, the um, did Jesus really come to save the world? And if so this Advent season, expect a miracle, expect God to move through you and in you and uh, the, the pain and suffering in this world. It, it can, it can go away at least a little bit uh, as when God works through you and God calls you um, to, to meet the needs of this world. So thank you so much for writing this chapter. It's one of my favorites. It's not my absolute favorite. I'll tell you which one it is later, but uh, thank you so much for writing this chapter, Mike. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation between Mike and I, and as we continue to journey through this book, Christmas is Not Your Birthday, I think you're going to um, hear a lot of really good things and a lot of challenges throughout this time. But I want to read something to you from this first chapter that we didn't really talk about. It says this, pardon me, but I passionately desire a more meaningful life purpose. For our lives to be meaningful, however, we need to give them away. You know, one of the things I find fascinating about my conversation with Mike is how often we don't expect a miracle. 
right? I mean, God wants to move in this world. God sees the pain and the hurting that we see, and God wants to do something about it. And that something is you and I. And so my challenge for you this week is that you will, you will go out into the world and not only expect a miracle, but be willing uh, for God to use you to, make, uh, to do a miracle in this world. So that, that's my challenge for you today. Well, listen, I, I'm really excited uh, for this series to continue. And so if, if, I want to encourage you right now to text the word GROW, G-R-O-W, to the number 225-307-0662. And you'll get a link to a home sheet. And that home sheet will give you the scriptures Mike and I talked about. It'll give you some questions and a challenge. The same challenge that I, I just gave, pretty much the same challenge I gave you today. And I'm going to encourage you to uh, go through that uh, at home, maybe with your family or your coworkers, or even on your own. Uh, use this as an opportunity to go deeper in your faith as we journey through this book. Well, I am so excited that you joined us today. I really look forward to seeing you next week. And remember, I love you, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'll see you next week.